0: I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to the Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Kim Platt's Jim Cana followed Play The Princess Stakes Murder. Starring Howard Duff, Julie Adams, and Ray Danton in Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour.
1: Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour.
0: Sponsored in part by the Makers of Contact and Chevrolet. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. Private Detective Max Roper went to Dalmar at the request of a friend to watch the running of the Princess Stakes. His friend, Jockey Willie Rich, scored a win, but placed out of the money. He showed up a day later, dead. And in his quest to find out why, Max Roper has met a most peculiar array of characters, among them two bunco artists, a former Mr. Universe, and a hostile athlete's agent. And he arranged to meet a young girl in Lake Tahoe who he had known only as a voice on the telephone. But she'd nothing to say because she was dead. Max Roper has his work cut out for him two unsolved murders, a missing heiress, and he's about to confront a man with a pistol who's firing bullets into a target. The target is the full front figure of a man. The Princess Stakes murder will continue after this.
2: for a few good men, men who want to learn good jobs. And today, a qualified man can choose the direction he wants to go in the Marine Corps, choose the kind of skills he wants to learn, like computers, aircraft maintenance, or electronics, radio communications, food services, aviation technology. You name it, Marines do it. If you want to learn it, the Marines will teach you skills, responsibility, and leadership in any field you can handle. Remember, qualified men can choose their own directions in the Marine Corps. Skills to learn, careers to build in many directions. The Marines are looking for a few good men who want to choose their own directions, want to learn good jobs, want to be Marines.
3: It looked like graduation day at FBI school. Boxes and clips of ammunition were stacked on a range table, an automatic 12-gauge shotgun and various expensive-looking handguns, sight scopes, and holsters. Several framed targets with the bullseye centers well perforated with accurate fire had been discarded and leaned against the side. It told me that rugged individualist Tyler Clayton had no intention of calling in the authorities to find his daughter. He could do the job himself. That last was pure show-off. Clayton had known I was standing there all along. He spun the gun like Billy the Kid, turned to me and extended the gun. But first, a handsome Colt Python 357 Magnum, a gun developed for police use. Its load would penetrate both armor and glass. Care to try your luck, son? No thanks, Mr. Clayton. I can't get mad at a target. Not today, anyway. A drink then. Now, let's see,
0: bourbon, wasn't
3: it? Heard anything from your daughter? Not a word. Nothing. You got her right, son. Nothing. <laughs> It took me by surprise the way he whirled toward the target and snapped off a quick shot from the hip and put a hole an inch to the right of the black center X. Then just as quickly, he was back to his drink grinning. He reloaded and slipped the shooter into a shoulder-rig holster and jerked it into place. You carry that gun on you usually? Mm, sometimes. Happens to be a pretty deadly weapon. One of the few handguns around that can surely kill a man. I know, sir. You can't be certain yet your daughter's been kidnapped. You might kill somebody by mistake. When I kill somebody, son, it's no mistake. Grew up with a gun in
0: my hands. Uh, Where would that be? Texas? Hell no, not Texas. Saskatchewan. Canada. Yes, sir. Grew up there. Did plenty of hunting when we were kids, me and my brothers. Lots of game up there, son. Rabbits? Rabbits, fox, moose,
3: bear. Got my first grizzly with a handgun when I was 14. That was a kill boy. That was some kill. You have to be pretty crazy to tangle with a grizzle with it. I'm wondering. Would you take a chance like that today? Hell yeah. Been a hunter all my life.
4: Oh. Hello, sweetheart. Good to see you again, Mr. Roper.
3: Good to see you too, Mrs. Clayton. Again.
4: Was that you shooting, Tyler?
3: You know it was me. Who else could it be?
4: Mr. Roper, have you found Pam?
3: Is that what you want?
4: Of course.
3: I wasn't sure. All I got from you was a little four-by-five picture off the desk. Apart from that, neither of you gave me anything that would help. No description, no background. I assume she's gone to school, had some boy or girlfriends. At 22, she's bound to have some habits. She must go places. Oh,
5: really, Mr. Clayton? Now, Runway. listen here, boy. Don't
3: call me boy, and you listen. With your kind of power, if you took your daughter's disappearance seriously, you have brought in the Marines by now. You know what, Mr. Clayton? I don't think you want your kid found. Not yet, anyway. If so, that's your business. But you're playing a dangerous game, like hunting. Now, I told you I wanted her found, and I
0: want her found. Just because you've been dragging your heels don't mean you, you can you can turn on me. What's holding you up, money? My money, get my checkbook. Don't bother.
3: Let me tell you how I spent last evening finding a murdered girl up in Tahoe. She wasn't your daughter, but she could have been. So your money is no guarantee your kid will be found alive.
4: I don't feel well.
3: You'll feel worse when I tell you the dead girl lived around here. Worked at your favorite spa, the Gilded Cuckoo. Know her, Mrs. Clayton? The receptionist, Bonnie Burns?
4: Bonnie? Dead? Was she drowned? Like Willie Rich?
3: No, she never made her to the lake.
0: The knife in her back slowed her down. Now, look what you've done. You've upset my wife. Now, maybe this Bonnie did work at the spa. So what? What the hell are you driving at anyway?
3: She could have been murdered by mistake. About the same age as your daughter. Looks some like her, too, judging from the picture I have. The thing that puzzles me, although she was a natural redhead, Bonnie Burns had a blonde wig. And there are other things that don't ring right. She left the gilded cuckoo on her vacation Monday afternoon about the same time your daughter was supposed to be there. I don't know why she wore the blonde wig. Maybe the killer didn't know either. Maybe he thought she was your daughter when he put the knife into her back.
0: Oh, why don't you go inside, Monica? You're looking mighty pale.
5: Clayton,
4: make Mr. Roper understand that Pam never did get to the spa for her hair appointment. They told me she hadn't been there at all on Monday, didn't even have an appointment. She lied to me when she said that's where she was going.
3: couple things we ought to clear up, Mrs. Clayton. Your stepdaughter had a standing appointment at the spa. How did you... And Bonnie Burns was at her reception desk at the Gilded Cuckoo that morning. If Pam came in and did keep her appointment, Bonnie saw her. If somebody there wanted that kept a secret, they'd made sure of it. Bonnie can't tell anybody now whether your daughter was there or not. I left the Claytons, the beautiful people. He stood there tall, wearing his invincible look, arm around his wife. I felt the whole scene we just played had been just that, a scene, not a shred of truth in it. Clayton couldn't see his wife's face, but I could. It was pressed tight against his chest, and on it was a familiar look. The same tense, frightened expression I'd seen outside the Wiltshire Playhouse in the back seat of the car she was sharing with Lewis Charnock.
6: Give your hand to a friend. Give your heart to your love. What if you're cold? Achoo. The contact,
7: the sooner the better. Hey, I'm back. How's that cold?
6: Rotten. Get the contact?
7: Oh, I got everything. Contact, cold tablets, and this
5: liquid? Oh, no. Honey, it's all cold medicine. Well, sure, but it only takes one contact for up to 12 hours, continuous relief from sneezing, drips, congestion. For that, I'd need six of your cold tablets. Two
0: every four hours.
5: Or three ounces of nighttime liquid. One every four hours. Or just one contact. The tiny dye pills do it.
0: Well, it's all cold medicine.
5: Those others contain antipyretic analgesics. The liquid, antitussive, and alcohol. They're not in contact.
0: Six or three or one. I choose the one contact.
5: Me too. And I'm the one with the cold.
7: Six or three or one. When you catch a cold, take contact. Only as directed. We'll return to our story
0: in a moment.
6: Hi everybody. This is Tony Butala of The Letterman. Medical care for veterans. Who is eligible to receive it? If you're a Veteran or related to a Veteran, this information may help you look ahead to the day when you can use VA medical care. The VA hospital system is responsible for taking care of Veterans who are injured or who became ill while in the service. Their needs always come first. Next are Veterans who can't afford to pay for medical care on their own and Veterans over age 65 or receiving VA pensions. Today, there are 168 hospitals in the VA system. Some have live-in units allowing veterans to come and go as they please. The VA sometimes makes arrangements with nursing homes for patient care outside the hospital. And VA outpatient clinics provide a full range of services from general medical treatment to dental care or to drug clinics
3: headed for Pacific Coast Highway, wondering when I'd get a break in this case. A lead to something tangible. At the edge of the village, I found it. A new shopping center sprawled over a large city block. I recognized the slim, dark-haired girl putting her groceries into the rear of a red station wagon. I drove into the lot. Hello. Aren't you the Clayton's maid?
5: Maid, yeah. cook too. And now I'm shopping for dinner. You are the policeman who came the other day, no?
3: Uh, Detective, I'd like to ask you some questions, Miss...
5: uh... Paulie. Paulie Lundgren. You have no word of Miss Pam yet?
3: It would help if you'd tell me about her.
5: What can I tell? I'm working there just past one year. Since the other Mrs. Clayton died.
3: What did the other Mrs. Clayton die of?
5: In the heart, I think.
3: Mm, You were there when she died?
5: Yes, the last month. My father in Sweden was a doctor, and so I know about being a nurse. I helped out, and Miss Pam liked me, and I liked her, and so I stayed on.
3: Did uh, Miss Pam ever disappear like this before?
5: Disappear? No. She was away to college. She's now just graduated.
3: I thought all Swedish maids said yeast.
5: They are the ones from Denmark.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I see. Uh, How did Pam get along with her new mother?
5: It is not right I should talk about the people I work
3: for. I'm trying to help Pam, don't you see? If I can't learn something about her, I have no way to find her. Help me, Polly.
5: Pauly. I I try.
3: Good. Was she unhappy since her father remarried?
5: Not right away, but yes, in a few months. They did not talk to each other so much. Like strangers, I think.
3: Tell me, Polly, has anything happened at the Clayton house recently that struck you as strange, uh, out of the ordinary, different?
5: I do not have much time. I am expected at the house.
3: Polly, please, think anything different
5: well there was the letters they made mr clayton very angry
3: letters when was this
5: soon after they got married after mrs monica came into the house
3: addressed to mr
5: clayton yes they came regularly once a month
3: would you know what was in them
5: how would i know that does he read his letters to his housemaid
3: try to remember was there a return address
5: no but they are made from mexico this i noticed a very strange stamp
3: Uh Uh-huh. You you said Mr. Clayton became angry. Did he say anything you'd recall?
5: Something. One time. About how he was not going to let somebody twist him around the finger.
3: Did he discuss the letters with Mrs. Clayton?
5: Oh, I have not heard this, but lately they have not been no more.
3: Do you think they may have concerned his daughter?
5: Please, if I do not get back to the house... Just
3: another minute, Polly. There's more, isn't there? More you're not telling me.
5: All right. The telephone calls. At first for the master, but he becomes very angry, he shouts loud and hangs up. And later the calls will come again, but this time he would ask for Miss Clayton, Pam. Did Pam
3: speak to the call?
5: Only one time, but just for a moment. Her father heard, he came into the room red in the face and shouting. He almost breaks the telephone, he puts it down so hard. Then he's telling her she is not to take any more calls from this person. And that's it? And there is some more. A few weeks ago, two weeks a man came to the house, a stranger. Yeah? He's looking around very carefully. He asks, is Miss Clayton home? Pamela, he says. Not Pam. I say the truth. She's not. And then he asks when Mr. and Mrs. Clayton will be home. And I tell him they have gone to look at some horses.
3: Did he give me his name?
5: He's about to. Then he changes his mind. And he writes something very fast on a piece of paper from a notebook. He gives it to me and says, please, it is for Miss Pamela.
3: Did you see what he wrote?
5: A telephone number. I left it on the dresser in her room, but I think she did not get it.
3: Why? Clayton got there
5: first? I think it was Mrs. Monica. I'm not sure, but she was upstairs. And when I asked Miss Pam later if she got the note, she said, what note? And then she becomes very pale, very quiet. Mm.
3: Can you tell me what this stranger looked like?
5: A big man, like you, but uh, more thin thin in the stomach.
3: Uh-huh. You seem to concur with the diagnosis of the gilded cuckoo.
5: I beg pardon? Uh, never
3: mind. Uh, what kind of car did he drive?
5: Oh, no car. He came by taxi. It waits for him. And now I must hurry back to prepare dinner.
3: One more question, Polly. Labor Day, Monday. Where were Mr. and Mrs. Clayton that evening?
5: At home. We had a very big party. He wins an imported horse race, no? Uh,
3: Willie Rich won it. Was uh Pam Clayton at the party? No,
5: no, and I go now.
3: All right, Polly.
5: Oh, I used to remember something.
3: Uh, Yes, isn't so bad if what you remember is important.
5: I know what the man said when he was leaving. To the cab he sent it. Okay. Back to the Rover house, he said.
3: Uh huh. One more favor, Polly. Don't tell anyone what you just told me.
5: Okay. Now. You will find Miss Palm?
3: Yes, as soon as I can. The rover house is on the outskirts of old Delmar. I asked the beauty behind the registration desk if anybody had blown in from Mexico within the past few weeks.
8: We have a Mr.
5: Hunter, Mr. Thomas Hunter from Acapulco. Is he in? I'm sorry, sir, no.
3: Has he checked out?
5: No, he just hasn't been in.
3: What do you mean?
4: I really don't know, sir. He left early one morning and didn't come back.
3: Which morning?
4: Labor Day.
1: We know these are times when you're rightfully concerned about the selection and use of a car. As the number one selling car in America this year, and for 37 out of the last 43 sales years, we felt we should speak up. And one of the things to be said is Chevrolet makes sense for America. Especially now. We've always built our cars in response to your needs. And now, when you're asking, should I trade in my car for a smaller one, or does it make sense to continue to drive a regular-sized car, you'll find some satisfying answers by looking to your own requirements and to Chevrolet's line of cars. For the family that needs plenty of room, an Impala or a Chevy wagon offers the same kind of value that a Vega offers the person with smaller needs. And so it goes through the full line of cars and trucks. Even in light of our country's energy situation and the uncertainty that surrounds it, we're producing the cars and trucks that make sense for America. The Zero Hour continues after this.
4: Leukemia is a disease of the blood-forming organs. It takes the lives of more children than any other disease known to man. It afflicts even more adults than children. At present, there is no cure. However, a great deal of progress has been made in the treatment of leukemia, and many doctors believe that if we can find a cure through research, it could well open the door to the cure for cancer. I'm Shirley Jones, national chairman of a program to raise funds for leukemia research through radio broadcasting. If we can find a cure to this dread disease, we can stop the deaths of 15,000 victims each year and help in the search for the cure to cancer. Today, radio stations across the country are fighting leukemia. Please help. Make your check payable to LSA for Leukemia Society of America and send it to LSA, Hollywood 28, California. That's LSA,
8: Hollywood 28, California. This one's a real lady. Never tries to kick me.
3: Shall we talk, Joey?
8: Sure. Come on outside. Let's have a cigarette. How's it going? Getting anywhere?
3: If I am, I don't know about it. Uh, tell me, did Pam Clayton spend much time down here?
8: Yeah, quite a bit. We got that 3 of hers, you know, Mary Jane. Good two-year-old.
3: How did she act? Uh,
8: throw her weight around her and? Nah, that kid never made waves. You'd never know she was worth a zillion on the hoof. Nobody knows she was alive.
3: They still don't.
8: She'll turn up. It's only been three days.
3: I found one last night that only took 12 hours. A stiff? Kid from around here. Shiving her back. All right, Joey, let's have it. You've been holding out.
8: You're punchy. What would I know?
3: I understand the stranger's blown into town and trying to contact Clayton's daughter. I figure a smart operator would track her down here once he found out horses are her hobby. There's more, Joey. This dude came straight from Mexico. He checked in at the Rover house. He's been trying to see Pam. He's also been missing since Labor Day morning. All right. Anytime you're ready, Joey.
8: Willie set it up. I don't think the dude's exactly a stranger. I think Willie knew him from way back.
3: Willie set what up?
8: The guy came down here a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if he met Clayton's kid here or not. All I know about is Labor Day, and I know about that because Willie told me.
3: Well, clear it up for me. It's still muddy.
8: Well, the Clayton kid had a morning appointment at the Gilded Cuckoo Spa out in Poway. Willie must have set it up for the dude to meet her here and forgot about her beauty parlor bit. So Willie drops over here early that morning to give me a message to forward to the guy that she wasn't stiffing him on purpose, but that she had this other operation going, see?
3: Was the guy's name Hunter?
8: Yeah, I guess so. Seems old man Clayton wasn't keen about them getting together. So like I said, Willie set it up. Hunter shows up here a little after ten. He looks put out when the kid isn't here. So I told him what Willie said. He took off right away.
3: With a gilded cuckoo? To meet her there?
8: He didn't say. He just split.
3: She's been missing since. Hunter, too. You think they went off together?
8: Beats the hell out of me. He was old enough to be a old man. Maybe he was an uncle or something. Might have acted like one.
3: The other Mrs. Clayton's brother?
8: If you ask me, he looked more like Clayton.
3: Describe him.
8: Tall man. Thin. Big hands. In his fifties. Tough looking. Could have been a fighter. Knife scar on his cheek. His nose is broke. Kind of quiet, though. didn't talk much.
3: You sized him up pretty good. Funny you didn't mention him before.
8: Well, you know how it is.
3: No, I don't, but go on. You're saying Willie set it up. Now, what I have to know is, did Clayton's kid want to meet him? Did she ever meet him?
8: I can't give you that, pal, but I figure Willie was straight. If he said it was okay, then it was okay. It's
3: good to hear you speaking well of Willie, after he took away a pretty good record you once rang up.
8: Ah, records. You know what's not in the books? When I was all busted up, Willie paid the hospital bills. Willie got me the job here. Maybe it don't look like much, but horses are my life. And I still got one markup. Willie would have taken it for sure, but he's gone now. I still got that one. of good, it does me.
3: Does you a lot of good, Joey, if you didn't knock off Willie.
8: Which reminds me, you were supposed to be working on that one. But you're spending all of your time looking for Clayton's kid. Maybe you're being faked out on that play. Maybe.
3: Tell me, did Pam Clayton ever come here with a girl about her age named Bonnie Burns? Redhead?
8: Not that I remember. Why?
3: She's the one somebody knifed up in Tahoe last night. She worked at the Gilded Cuckoo.
8: Then what are you doing here?
3: Business hadn't slowed noticeably at the Gilded Cuckoo, judging from the number of cars lining the parking lot. I was becoming irritated with the missing girl, with the Clayton's unorthodox approach toward handling it, and with myself for becoming involved with a case that didn't make any sense. I took my light traveling bag out of my car and walked through the heavy, gilded doors again. The leggy, gray-eyed Miss Hill, whom I'd seen at the reception desk before, was gone. In her place was another of the same mold, young, cute, and friendly. Hello. Where's Bonnie?
5: Bonnie?
3: Uh, Bonnie Burns. She used to work here.
5: Oh, I couldn't tell you. I'm new here.
3: Uh, what about Miss Hill? she around?
5: I think she went back
4: to therapy. Do you have an appointment?
3: A standing one.
4: He'll be right out, Mr. Roper. Why don't you sit over there?
3: Thank you. Oh, Mr. Roper. Uh,
7: Now, do I understand correctly that you are serious this time?
3: I was serious the other time, but I had to make sure I could take a holiday for my outfit. I understand. I don't
7: believe you told me what business you were in.
3: Insurance. Uh, The company doctor told me I was 10 pounds overweight. That's when I decided to do something about it. Well, I don't think you have much of a problem. Ernie, uh, take Mr. Roper's bag
7: through this door, Mr. Roper. We'll get you settled. Oh, by the way, uh that uh, girl you asked about last time, Miss Uh, uh Clayton, I, I suppose she's returning home by now. I imagine so. I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to check. Well, there you are. It never pays to get excited over these things. Probably all a little misunderstanding. Probably. Here we are. It's a small room, but uh, more than adequate. Bars of the window? Oh, you'd be surprised how desperate these dipsos get for a drink. They'll try any means of escape. Uh, Now, Mr. Roper, if you just take off your clothes and uh, put on these pajamas... At this time of day? Well, your clothing will be returned to you. You understand, of course, that we must remove all incentives for you to leave if the going gets tough.
3: Well, that he walked out, leaving me with Ernie, who could have passed for King Kong's twin brother. Ernie was very helpful, I'll say that for him. He put all my clothes into the closet and locked it. Standing barefoot in just a pair of pajamas in a barred room doesn't give a man a feeling of confidence. I was looking at those very real bars when I realized Glendon had come back into the room. He had a shot glass in his hand. Yeah, drink hearty.
7: (laughs) Go on, it's, it's our own secret little brew. Believe me, it'll take away your
3: desire for liquor for at least 24 hours. It was a cloudy mixture with the fragrance of steamed cauliflower. I took a deep breath, tilted my head, tossed it down, and handed the glass to Ernie, and felt my knees buckle at the same time. I felt suddenly very hot, and the room seemed to rock under my feet. On Glendon's face was an expression of purely benign curiosity. Another one of my feelings was coming on, but slowly, very slowly, I found myself tilting forward, and as the last red rocket blasted off inside my skull... I knew that I was in for trouble. Big trouble.
0: You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. It was last summer when I was 18. And I was in love with a girl named Kathy. Kathy was 18, too. It was the happiest summer of my life. I had never been that happy before. I know I'll never be that happy again. It was warm and beautiful. And so we bought a few bottles of wine and drove into the country. We drank the wine and held each other, laughed. It must have been the stars and the wine and the warm wind. Nobody else was on the road. The top was down. We were singing. And I didn't even see the tree until I hit it. Kathy died. I killed Kathy. Kathy. Stop driving
1: drunk. Stop killing each other. Write to Drunk Driver, Department Y, Box 1969, Washington, D.C., for more information on drinking and driving. A public service message on behalf of the U.S. Department of Transportation.
9: Here's a tip from your Better Business Bureau. If you have school-aged children, it won't be long until they'll be bringing home an order blank for the class or school annual picture. And if you've noticed, you normally pay in advance. The little tyke insisting that he or she must have the money for the teacher the next day. If do you really know what you're getting for the money? Better read the fine print. That form you sign may commit you to buy several color blow-ups at many times more than what you actually gave Johnny to take to school. Unfortunately, some photographers take advantage of this annual ritual to trap proud mothers into spending a lot more than they intend to. If you don't know what you're getting, call the school and ask them who to contact. If they don't know, then write a note to the teacher explaining that you insist on knowing what you're buying before you sign a contract. And that's the way to teach your children. Remember, if you want portraits made, consider also the services of a good professional photographer in town.
0: Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes. And listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, The Princess Stakes Murder. I'm Ron Serling, and this is The Zero Hour.
3: This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio.
1: Tune in tomorrow, and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour.
4: This is Mutual, your news and sports radio network.